0: Hi, this is Erica Monique, and I am the host and creator of Natural Soul Conversations, the platform for people that are black persuasion, that are melanated, however you want to call it. You know, right now we call ourselves black, African-Americans, Afro-Americans, or black first, whatever. If you look like us, this is the place for us, all right? We're going to talk about everything from pop culture to politics, science, finance, health, education, and, you know, we're going to talk about sticky relationships, whatever it is. We're going to talk about it and we're going to do it as a family. And, you know, just like with our families, we go, might argue, we might not disagree, but we're going to do it as a family. We're going to keep it cute and we're going to respect each other. So sit back, relax, and let's have that conversation. Hey, welcome back to Natural Soul Conversations. I'm your host, Erica Monique, and as always, I am thrilled to bring another hot topic to this family for conversation. Today, we are speaking with Nicole Conway, and Nicole, if I am not mistaken, is an author, a motivational speaker, a mental health advocate, a model, an image consultant. Did I forget anything?
1: No, I
0: think you captured them all. Uh, Yeah, and I think that you are a very busy, busy, busy woman. But anyway, um, it's really interesting because I don't know if you know this, but our circles kind of intertwined throughout the years. Although we didn't formally meet until um, I did the uh, 1012 event back in 2017. And and I invited you to come on board. Uh, But like we went to the same high school. And you were a couple of years ahead of me. And I always heard you around the way. But I never had a chance to meet you until that day, until that really? night. Really? I
1: didn't even yeah. realize we went to high school together.
0: Yeah, we did. But I, look, I was, <laughs> I we would have, we were in separate, different circles, for real. Uh, I was a band geek. <laughs> and, you know, with the two, you know, it, I just, you know, I, that was my world back then.
1: Got
0: and so we never would have, would have. Uh, but I do know that, you know, I, I did communicate with people that were outside of the van and I just, like, I knew you, I knew of you. I just never met you. So it was, I, yeah, when I heard that, um, and I don't remember who it was, but when we were planning the 1012 event, whoever it was, and I don't remember, they knew you. And I was like, oh my God, I have got to connect with this woman. And so, yeah, no, so I, I purposely sought you out, but so anyway, listen, today I want to talk about uh mental health and how today's racial tension affects it. Because I I don't know like for me it seems like uh, the 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 racial tension has heightened mm-hmm. since, you know, even from I'll say from 15 years ago. You know, it just seems more in your face. Not that we've never had racial problems because we have always had them, Correct. but it seems like it's just now it's like, I don't care. You know, I'm gonna call you to end and there's nothing you could do about because we shooting and killing y'all anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I don't even really, to be honest, I don't even know how to navigate in, in this new world. And so my circle has become a lot smaller Because I don't know that I have the patience to deal with some of that overt, in-your-face racism. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Like, I don't know how far it will go. And I don't know if I want to find out (laughs) how far it will go with me, you know. Right. But let me me just ask you. First, I know just a little bit about your background. Um, Please feel free to share as much or as little of your background, just so the rest of our family get to know you, and I get to know you even more.
1: Okay, Um, I was born in Seattle, Washington, and my mother, myself, and my two-year-old sister moved to Austin, Texas when I was 10. Uh, My mother was going to, yeah, she was going to UT to get (sighs) her her PhD. She already had her master's um, in counseling. So, well, education. So we mm-hmm. moved here, we moved to Texas. Uh, we didn't know anybody. Uh the person that we actually stayed with was my childhood babysitter's sister. And okay. we stayed with their family. Um, it was hard navigating when I first moved to Texas because I was very I was very um proper speaking. Mm. Um, you know, people tend to say, Oh, she talks too white, so I didn't fit into the groups. I used right. to play the flute, so we would oh, not really? have connected. <laughs> <laughs> we would not have connected probably then we would have but in high school no um yeah i played the flute i wore these big glasses with this flipped out hair and i went to the blackest school in austin texas so i felt like i was being dropped in a vat of grease um, yeah i I just didn't fit in um wait a minute
0: wait, wait a minute wait a minute you went to lbj i went to lbj
1: you didn't fit in let me, we're going to get to that. I went to L.L. Campbell. I know you know L.L. Oh, Campbell is, girl. Yes, yes, I do. So from Seattle, Washington, going to um, parochial schools to going to the school in the hood where everybody thought I was thinking I was better than my, you know, than everybody. I didn't All have right. any friends. I had a bully while I was there. I, I went mm. through it. I had my very first fight when I got there. Um mm. So it was trying to navigate coming from a totally different state and trying to figure out how I fit in. Mm. I was very self-conscious as a kid. I felt that I was too dark, that my hair was nappy, Mm. um, that I was too fat. You know, the whole nine yards of the self-confidence and not being assured about yourself. And then you have people being bullies and it it was a lot of factors there. So yeah. I went to Campbell for a couple of years. Then I went to St. Mary's downtown um, mm-hmm. and then I went to LBJ. So my mom was just like popping me back and forth,
0: <laughs> okay,
1: <laughs> which was a little bit of team too much. So then I right. was back in a group of, you know, smaller environment. And then I went to LBJ and okay. that was one of the, the top black schools in Austin as well. So mm-hmm. once again, I didn't have any friends. So become, you know, trying to navigate that as well. The only reason I believe that people knew who I was was because of who I hung around. Mm. Because she was popular. Outside Mm -hmm. of that, I probably would have been a flower on the wall. Nobody would have known who I was either. (laughs) So I I get what you're saying, but no, I don't feel that I was ever the popular kid or the one that fit in um, or was really accepted in certain groups. And I still am not. And I'm okay with that. Mm. If I'm not, I'm just doing what I'm purposed to do.
0: Right. Okay.
1: As a young mother in my 20s and 30s, I had three nervous breakdowns with two daughters. Mm -hmm. I was a single parent trying to navigate how do I raise my kids? How do I keep my lights on? Um, Mm -hmm. Not having the the support that I felt that I needed while I was dealing with mental illness. That was Mm -hmm. very hard for me because I really didn't know what it was and why it was happening and not knowing Mm -hmm. what traumas and triggers were. And then my kids having to suffer in the process watching me go through that. So Mm. that was a lot. Um, And then, as far as the modeling thing came along, I did that to prove to myself that I was not the little fat girl, the black girl with the nappy hair, and that I'm okay. So I joined a group called Curve Appeal. And mm-hmm. it was um, a group that's all over the United States and we formed teams and basically it was a sisterhood. And every year we would get together in one place and we would, you know, they would teach us how to walk, how to wear proper foundation, mm-hmm. um, self-confidence. We would share our stories, good and bad. And mm. that really helped lift my spirits. Now, did I want to become the next America's top model? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I I did that for me more than yes. you know.
0: Yes. Which led yeah. me to
1: using that as a platform to help women that you can do whatever you want at any age, size, color. It doesn't matter. Mm. So mm. those those things were set up for me to help me along the way to help others. And, and that was my main goal of, because, you know, going into that. Now, do I model from time to time? Yes. Is that my ultimate mm-hmm. goal? No, my ultimate goal because at, actually I was too short. I was under the, the the height that I was supposed to be. I was mm-hmm. over the age, so I'm 51 now. I'm five five, mm-hmm. and I'm still doing modeling from time to time.
0: All right then. All but, right,
1: but it's more of an encouragement.
0: Right, right. No, and you know, it's I, I'm I'm glad that you said that. I I actually did not know that part of your story, mm-hmm. and I know that. Um, you were one of the first persons that I thought about when I was, and I'm still going through a uh, a reinventing of myself. Mm-hmm. It's just taking a little longer than than I, want, I wanted it to take. But um, I was going to attend this event, and it there was there was supposed to be a dress code, and it was supposed to be a risque dress code. Now I couldn't go that far. <laughs> you know, I, 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 <laughs> I could not go that far but i thought you know because I, I don't know anybody who who knows me they I, okay i am not the most feminine person in the world that's just let's that's just the way it is right. but the funny thing about it is mentally which is is insane I am, and I had to come to grips with this, not that it means anything, but I am so such a girl, you know, in my mind, you know, and even how I move, you know, I I mean, I really am, I'm I'm such a girl, girl, you know, but, you know, in my appearance, I'm not real feminine. I don't wear dresses, you know, and there's a whole psychological thing behind that, you know, but anyway, I thought, you know, I have this image of how I, I think I will feel comfortable in doing this and I think Nicole can help me pull it off. You know. So I had this whole thing and you were helping me out. And it just so happened that the the event it fell through for me. And so, you know, I didn't I didn't pursue that, but I'm still on the verge of my reinventing myself. And so I still have your number in the Rolodex. Like, right. okay, now right. when I'm ready to make that move, I got to call Nicole again because I'm very serious about it. It's just, you know, sometimes the timing is off and, you know, for right now the time, and then especially now, since we have COVID, we're not going nowhere, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> at least I'm not. I, I just, <laughs> I do my job and I come home. I don't, I don't socialize a lot because not that I'm a uh, hypochondriac or what do they call them? Hypochondriac? Yes, I'm not one of those, but I'm I'm careful because I don't know. We don't really know how it's Mm -hmm. spread. Not really.
1: Very true. And
0: uh, yeah. And so, and I have someone who is technically elderly that lives with
1: me. Okay.
0: And so I gotta be, I gotta be thinking about that too. Exactly. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, and then not only that, I've I've just never been that type of person that just hang out, and you know I like small groups, so it it works okay with me. But but let me ask you though. So you guys moved to the East Coast right before the pandemic, Mm -hmm. right before the okay. So how? Because I you I do listen to certain. uh, There is one particular podcast I listen to, and they are um, located. in New York. And they, you know, just hearing their stories and how they weren't even leaving the house at all. How how was it for you guys, like right at the beginning of, of, of COVID?
1: Well, I will say uh, we moved here a year ago and some months. So it was mm-hmm. before COVID actually hit Um, right getting acclimated to a new environment texas and new york are two extreme different people the the Mm. people the environment the culture everything is completely different so getting Mm -hmm. used to being in a space that's totally opposite of where i grew up um Mm. and and once again navigating not having any friends here not knowing anybody trying to find us mm-hmm. a place to stay i mean it it was just everything like all at one time and i had to do it quickly yeah. um my husband yeah. got a job at acl at the aclu um so mm-hmm. that's why we relocated um but we decided to actually move to new jersey um oh, okay. then the environment in new jersey is a little different each borough is different but new jersey is different from new york but getting mm-hmm. used to um I'm, you know, I'm a Southern girl. I'm used to, hey, how y'all doing when I'm walking around and hear people look at you like you are an alien, like what's wrong with her? Is she crazy? Right. I finally had to ask somebody, what is that about? Why is everybody so mean all the time? They said, well, they think that if you're asking, if you're saying something like that, that you're crazy and that you want something. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, everybody is Mm -hmm. not like that. But I had to get used to being around people that were different from me
0: right and not letting right. it bother me
1: because at first it didn't i'm like why aren't these people talking what's wrong with these people but now um mm-hmm. i'm used to it now have i become them no at moments i do get with them when they try to act a fool with me because you're not gonna run over me and treat me okay but the environment is totally different mm. what? Uh even go
0: ahead oh no no no. Let go ahead and finish finish that
1: so one thing I will say, the difference between Austin. So I grew up basically in East Austin and Northeast Austin. Right. And at the time it was predominantly black, although that has changed tremendously. Yeah. Um, but when I came to New York, when I came to visit the first time before we moved here and we came up the subway steps and I was in Harlem, I just felt like home. Like, oh, wow! Like I feel like. A big hug was coming around me when I was in Harlem because I saw so many people look like me with mm-hmm. businesses, mm. you know, entrepreneurs standing outside, you know, selling their stuff on the corners. You can mm-hmm. buy anything from toilet tissue to um uh, Clothing, you wow. can buy anything, a turtle. <laughs> Why <Wow>, a turtle? <laughs> okay, I'm serious. When I saw the turtles, I was done. <laughs> wow, but you can buy anything. And to hear people at home say, Why well, I, I can't find a job, I can't do this, mm. everything is I can't. But you have people here that are truly trying to make it. And mm. even in a pandemic, they're standing out on those corners trying to sell their stuff. And right. I, I give them all the props. Wow. So, Harlem feels like home. Yeah, I, I must say it.
0: Wow. Well, let me let me ask you something because you brought up Austin, and it's funny because you know I'm an Austinite. I was actually born and raised in Austin, um, and there's not many of us <laughs> that have stayed. Of course, I live right. outside of Austin now, but it's still you know the metroplex, you know. But mm-hmm. um, I I too grew up in in northeast Austin. Like most uh, blacks of our age folk. Right. Um, and you know, my my people though, my like my my aunts and my my grandparents, they all lived in East Austin or in Montopolis, okay, right? Um, which was crazy. And I I tell you, growing up, I it to me it was unheard of to hear of black people being west of the highway. Mm-hmm. Of 35. And so I made it a point when I was looking for houses to buy, to purchase, I made it a point to go to the west side of the highway. Just for me, just to, now, of course, you know, things are so, you know, Austin has has um, has evolved. And I, I don't even know if that's the right word. It's just, it's not what it used to be. No. Um, you know, it's, I, I have heard that now it's becoming friendlier for blacks um who are wanting to um you know start businesses and, and be more self sufficient but you know I mean I don't know. Um I just know when I go to the old haunts they don't look the same. When I go to the old neighborhoods they don't look the same and I feel I feel sad. You know mm-hmm. um in fact, just it must have been last week. I, I can't remember exactly where I was, but it was I don't even drive into Austin, to be honest. I live in Round Rock and I, I do everything within a five to seven mile radius on purpose. OK, right. um, and that's just where I'm at these days. But for whatever reason, I was in Austin and I can't remember exactly where, but it was definitely. Uh, oh, I know what it was. You remember where the old airport used to be? hmm. So I was in that neighborhood and I was driving through it. And I'm telling you, I literally broke down crying because I remember that that was the airport, you know, and um, I just have a lot of I have a lot of memories of that. I remember, you know, riding in my mom's and dad's car and, and that the airplane almost being on top of the car, you know, right. because it, it was so, you know, so low. Um, now that's probably a scary should be a scary thought or memory but it wasn't it was it was just something that we were used to my grandmother's what? house was you know i don't know maybe 5 or 5 miles away i mean i I was just so used to that and now it's so yuppified you know mm-hmm. um and i just i don't like it i i mean if i weren't if i didn't grow up in austin and i went to that neighborhood maybe i would like it but because I remember what it used to be, right. you know, um, I just it, it literally broke my heart and I just I just stow, drove through there and I was just crying. Now, I could be premenopausal. That could be it. But um, it was still sad to see um, all of those houses up. And I don't know. But um, what like what are your thoughts? Because you I think you you were here throughout that whole trans. Transformation of Austin, right up yes, until I was yeah,
1: um, so I grew up in Mason, Manor, mm-hmm. about a year or two, I was there, and then yeah. we moved into a house, but I raised my kids in East Austin, and mm-hmm. I remember the day that I drove down the street and saw the house was flattened. Now that I was not pre-mental puzzle that made me cry because there were mm-hmm. so many memories attached to that house. My yeah. father lived there. I mm-hmm. raised my kids there. And now they have a uh like a duplex that's you know real fancy. It looks, it mm-hmm. looks nothing like it did.
0: And to right. see the
1: changes that have been made, I'm with you. I, I just sometimes you just hate to drive through there and you just kind of mm-hmm. stop and you with your mouth open like this is not yeah. real.
0: Yeah, but yeah. because
1: they have driven all the taxes up and mm-hmm. pushed us out of that community, we can't afford to live there unless we're making a certain amount of money.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And they did
1: that intentionally because they don't want us there.
0: Mm, and exactly. I think
1: I'm I'm really attached to that too because my husband ran for office. I don't know if you remember two years yes, ago. Yes, I do. Yes. I was his chief of staff, so we got to see all of the behind the scenes things, you know, mm-hmm. behind the curtain, like the whiz. So, mm-hmm. um. It's very hurtful, the way they, wow. they handled that. And wow. they're continually doing that and pushing us out. So mm-hmm. now the new East Austin is Georgetown, Round Rock, Pflugerville, mm-hmm. and Manor, mm-hmm. Texas.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. I You know, especially Pflugerville. Pflugerville is, you know, it's, it's, that in Manor, from what I've seen, is just this big hub. Now I'll tell you, in in my part of Round Rock, I and it's funny because there are at least two or three uh high school people that I went to high school with in my neighborhood, but I never see them at all um and i don 't know why um probably because i don 't hang out outside, but um I think out this way, everybody just kind of tends to just do their own thing, which is it, you know is a little disappointing because you know growing up i at least for me, you know in my old neighborhood, and I grew up right around l b j actually right. right behind LBJ, um, I, you know, we every, we knew all the neighbors, you know? Right. Um, and our parents knew all the neighbors.
1: Right, it was a you community.
0: Know? It was. And I, I didn't really understand that until I moved into my house. And actually years later, after I moved into my house, I had been here maybe 10 years and it just kind of dawned on me that the only neighbor that I knew, my house is actually on a corner of a cul-de-sac. So the only neighbor that I knew was the neighbor that was in the cul-de-sac that was technically next door to me. But he wasn't because he was in the cul-de-sac and I'm on the corner. You know, I only knew him. And then the other uh, neighbor on the other side of me um, was a was an officer, a police officer. And I only knew him because, you know, he and I had some run ins, you you know, I mean, he, he you know he would uh park his his uh, SUV uh well that's a long story so yeah. I, you know i had i had a couple of run ins with him but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know i would have a run- in with the cop and not you know, but anyway um but th- those are the only two neighbors that i really know you know and uh it's just crazy but i you know i'm wondering i'm wondering about this whole racial thing though because that that was the whole purpose of of, of the of the topic is like right when um, COVID hit, it wasn't COVID. It was something that happened. Yes, it was COVID. And my across the way neighbors, she says that I helped her. I I think it wasn't me, but you know, sometimes, you know, they, they think that we look all alike. And so I, I just I just let her have it. And she's an older lady. I just found out she's eighty-two or whatever. And she doesn't look she looks like she's in her late sixties. She looks very good for her age. But um she has some, you know, she has some, some thoughts that are, you know, a little aged, but whatever. And so um when this whole thing with COVID hit and everybody was hoarding the the paper products like the toilet paper yes. and and everything, and so um There was talk that there was going to be a riot. No, I am lying. It was the George Floyd thing, and they and my little crossway neighbors they thought that it was going to be a riot. That's what happened. And so, um, her daughter who lives with her she she comes across the street from my house and she goes, "Uh, "Erica, um, uh, I hear that there are riots in uh, wherever they were having riots. I I forget where they were because there's so many." Uh, you know, uh, things that are going on. But she goes, do you think it's going to happen here? I mean, and oh, and they were riding in Austin, downtown Austin. She goes, you think this is going to happen here? And I said, well, I'll be honest with you. Everybody's is too, I don't want to say lazy, but, you know, we, you know, we, we go to work, we come home and that's all of us again, you know, all the different colors, you know, nobody's going to drive this far out to do, because we don't have anything out here. Ain't nobody going to. <laughs> you know, right. and it's all because of convenience. <laughs> Nobody's going to do it. We're not going to drive in, and they are not going to drive out. So I don't really think that we have too much to worry about. But she was very concerned. And she goes, well, I mean, do you think, um I mean, I've never treated you any differently. I mean, do you feel, Are you? do you feel safe? And I live in Williamson County, and I don't know if you heard about Williamson County, but yes. Ma'am. yes. I've had white people tell me that they are afraid of Williamsville County police. Mm -hmm. Okay. Williamsville County is no joke. Mm -hmm. And so I I told her, I said, look, I'm not, and I honestly feel this way. I said, I'm not, I don't feel safe anywhere. I feel that it's by the grace of God, you know, and just him covering me and my family because anything could pop off. It could, and it's, you know, it could be that whoever I'm having an issue with is having a bad day. And if that person is licensed to carry and they're having a bad day, um, you know, I I have to, I gotta be thinking so far ahead, okay, how am I addressing this person? You know, am I coming across as being too aggressive because I've been accused of that? You know, uh, is my voice too elevated or whatever? You know, and and honestly that was a concern of mine with the cop next door because, you know, he he was a white guy, you know, and um there was just some little things that they were doing. And I went to him as a neighbor and I saw him transform into a cop. And my first thought was, Okay, Erica, keep it cool, because I don't know I don't know who I'm dealing with. You know what I'm saying? And I shouldn't even no one should have to be be in that position. And I wasn't even you know, I wasn't irate, and I wasn't, you know, acting out of, you know, just being hysterical, anything like that, but I, because I can, you, you know, because of the stereotypes, you know, if I am very exact with my words, then I am, you know, I'm being an angry Black woman, and you know, I just saw him take a cop stand, and I'm like, "Uh, okay, wait a minute, let me back up you know it's this this is it is not cool for me to go to jail or worse over trash in my yard That's i funny. you know
1: I agree i mean
0: and that was the situation, yeah, just you know they had trash in their yard, it blew over in mine, and you know I went and talked to them about it, and then it became this thing and and I had to you know I had to back up. You know, but, you know, what what have you as far as race and as far as the blacks here in Austin versus, you know, maybe some of the blacks in the East Coast? I mean, have you or not even the blacks, but just the racial tensions? Have you noticed that there's been any difference between the racial tensions here that we know about here in Austin versus where you are now?
1: Um, I think they're about the same. It's just that you have Mm -hmm. a bigger community of people um, as far as more Blacks here. And honestly, Mm -hmm. here there's a melting pot. You have everybody, Mm -hmm. you have every uh, nationality, you have, and then in groups, they're in different groups and they stick together. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I haven't dealt with anything like that. But um, I know uh, when they were protesting and stuff, that got to be quite a bit. But we don't live in that area, so it didn't affect us. Because we live in mm-hmm. New Jersey.
0: Mm, okay. Um, but okay. watching
1: it on the news unfolding, it was it was quite a bit. Now I think yeah. it's more intense here than it is in Texas. Um, I mm-hmm. really don't believe that the people in Texas uh think that COVID is real. And mm. here it was it was so prevalent that we would see um refrigerated trucks at the hospitals mm-hmm. putting bodies in there. Um, right. Texas didn't see that. Texas didn't have right. a huge ship come in, and that was the floating hospital because all of the hospitals were filled with COVID patients.
0: Wow. So we
1: saw hands on wow. everything. That's why um, the governor was so, um, you know, so on it about how we were doing things that we had a curfew that we couldn't come mm-hmm. out at a certain time, and I'm glad that he did it. But seeing that. And living it is two different things. So the people in Texas right. saw that here, but they don't believe it's real until it hits them on their porch. And Texas just right. was not hit like New York was. It just was. Right,
0: right, yeah. I was listening to um, a program like I, I started earlier, and the host of that program they talked about those re- refrigerated trucks, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, I thought, I'm like, well, you know, we yeah we're not experiencing anything like that here, but I will say now in El Paso, I think they're having this it's like this this crazy this crazy thing that's going on where they're having this this huge death number um and you know the rest of the the state you know we're just kind of going about. You know, lives as normal as possible. But I, you know, I keep thinking that I'm like, well, what makes them different? You know, what is going on? And that's why I say we don't even really know, really, how it's how it's, you know, how one gets it. You know, right? Um, we we don't know, I, and because there are just these hot pockets, you know, of of these high deaths in in certain places. And I know for me whenever I go out, I try to be as careful as possible, mm-hmm. but yeah, you're right there i mean i you know I see people there were people in the stores, no mask on, you know, and I'm like, okay, um you know at least you know try to you know protect the other people around you, you know mean i mean, well, uh, right I mean here. yeah yeah and
1: that's the unfortunate Mm -hmm. part that they just don't care um and you know Mm -hmm. i have uh, my husband told me that there's this guy that he knows that he doesn't believe it they go back and forth about arguing Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. unfortunately i hate to say it because he's republican and he listens to what uh the president says he doesn't believe that it's real because of what he says and that's unfortunate because you may cause your life in the process of not believing that it's real
0: Right, right. Well, let me ask you this, because you, you are a mental health advocate, right? Yes. What do you have any, like what what should one do? I mean, how do we keep ourselves mentally stable during this time? Because some people like me, I honestly, I could I stay in for a week or two and not see anybody and I'm okay. After that, uh, I'll need to go outside. But some people are not like that. They need to be, you know, they need to be around people. Like, what can we do, Well, for you know, for my, to...
1: Go ahead, I'm sorry.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I was just going to say, just to keep ourselves in a in a, uh, a stable place mentally.
1: For myself, um, I'm an extreme extrovert. I love people. I love mm-hmm. being around them. I love talking to people, getting to know people um, and interacting for, for, with them. So for me, it was very hard um Mm. but i did learn to do things for myself so in the beginning i made sure you know i like organized my house i got rid of things that i no longer need because basically you know things that you keep in your house that you don't need they hold Mm -hmm. energy and you need to get rid of them. like get that out your Mm. house Um, right i started walking even if it was 30 minutes and listening to something motivational or sermon or something to get myself out of that space. So getting out and walking, having some sunlight on your face makes a huge difference. Believe me, Mm -hmm. because it's easy Mm -hmm. to sit in the house and be in a dark space or you start sinking and start thinking of things you shouldn't be. We have to get into spaces where we're not staying in space of, um, uh, what is my word? Complacency.
0: Wait, and just
1: sitting. Yes, okay. And and when you do mm-hmm. get into complacency, you think, oh well, I don't know how I'm gonna make ends meet. I don't know if I have anything mm-hmm. to eat. I mean, your mind just goes to so many different places. So you have to find things to do. Um, with the group of my friends, we actually have Zoom calls where we may get, uh, we mm-hmm. may have a wine Zoom call and we talk about what's going on with our mm-hmm. lives and we're all on there even though we're not in front of each other, we still get to Mm -hmm. communicate with each other and share our lives with each other. That makes a huge difference. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes I double date with my husband with another couple online. We both cook Uh and we sit in front of the thing and we eat and talk and laugh like we're out (laughs) on a date. I mean, and, and during these times you have to become very creative in the things that you do, because if not, You can easily isolate yourself and go into a deep depression and nobody will know Mm. about it because you put the good face on when somebody calls. Mm. Um, Mm. Picking up habits of things. So I always talk about taking care of the little girl and the little boy inside of you.
0: Mm. I think it's so
1: important. So. You may pass a park and see a swing and you're like, oh, I used to like to swing. Go swing. What's wrong with it? <laughs> I mean, when you really think yeah. about it and you cultivate that child that has been missing some things in their life and do things like coloring. Girl, I went and bought some mm. adult coloring books and some crayons and some colored pencils and markers and I just yeah. what I want. That way wow, okay. you're tapping out of what's going on in reality and you're doing something that stimulates your mind and it's colorful. Right. You know, you're just creating something for yourself or maybe you may pick up some canvases from Michael's and start painting something for your house. Mm-hmm.
0: Just mm-hmm. Okay. doing things, you
1: know, because you know, when you think about it, well, before COVID, we used to always say, you know, I'm working all the time. I don't have any time to do X, Y, and Z. Now you have mm. the time and you don't tap into it.
0: Mm. Why not tap mm. into yes those
1: things? Me. Because we all have a creative space in our, in our hearts. We just don't do it.
0: Mm. Okay. Um, yeah. For me,
1: I finally started a YouTube channel and my husband kept saying, baby, you should do a YouTube channel. And I was just kind of like, mm, in my mind. It's uh-huh. like, I don't want to do that. I'm too old. I don't want to learn uh-huh. nothing else. No. I'm good. You know, you yeah. go through all them cycles in your head. Yeah. Well, now yeah. that I started it, I like it. And I have two two, mm. two channels. I have one where I talk about mental health and the other one I talk about fashion. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's something I had to push myself out of a comfort zone of, you know, I'm good mm-hmm. right here and do something that's mm-hmm. gonna help somebody else. So, awesome. Thinking
0: awesome. of well, well let Go me. Ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, well. I mean, and that's great, you know, for COVID. It, would that be the same for? Because at the same time that we're dealing with COVID, we're also dealing with political issues, um, like with our current president <laughs> situation. I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean, I know that we have a, a, a new president elect, but honestly, until December fourteenth. I ain't saying nothing because who we dealing with this current person yes. who we dealing yes. with, um, he, he, he is on a whole nother mm-hmm. level. And I don't know what he's going to try to pull out of the box. And so I, and even after December 14th, I'm only going to whisper until January, what? 20th, I think it is 21st. <laughs> I feel you. I'm just saying. I'm just, I've been real quiet. So just how is that, like, do, what advice can you give? Because this is, I mean, we, let's just be honest, okay? This whole left and right thing, we know is really a black and white mm-hmm. thing, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that type of, of racial oppression that, that we, some of us are dealing with, you know, how How do we stay mentally focused or healthy in the in the middle of something like this?
1: For me, I had to because I know that as as being in the house and you always having the TV on, you see everything that Mm -hmm. comes up. You see oh, all these people that are dying and all the stuff that he's saying Mm -hmm. that is just so idiotic. And it's kind of to the point where you almost have to turn it off. Yes. Um, but you have to learn to turn it off because you think about all mm-hmm. the things that come in that are trash. Well, guess what that trash turns into in your mind? Mm. So for me, I mm. have learned to shut it off. If there's something that I absolutely need to find out, I mean, because I don't really watch the news that much anymore because it's so mm-hmm. um it's depressing and I'm an empath. So I take in a lot. Right. So I have to uh, regulate what I watch. If somebody tells me, oh, did you hear about blah, 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 I'll go read about it, and then I I tap out. That's just, that is a safe space for me, and it may work for somebody else, especially those that watch Mm -hmm. TV nonstop. I don't watch, I watch it, Mm -hmm. I regulate how much TV I watch, Um, Mm -hmm. but the news, I try to stay away from it. I get notifications like on my phone to tell me, you know, what's current. And if I see something that I want to read, I'll read it. But I keep myself away from that. And it's basically a sense of guarding your heart and your mind.
0: Mm. Yes. Yes. So, well, let me ask you this, Um, because you mentioned that. And I I just want to briefly ask, uh, and it doesn't matter either way, but with your journey uh, to mental health wellness, Mm -hmm. Um, was there a, or is there a spiritual aspect? Like, is there something that you you did spiritually? Absolutely. Or is it just? Okay.
1: Absolutely. Um, the last nervous breakdown I had, I was at Show Creek for about two weeks, and I really don't know how much time had passed mm. because I I was like on the the side that they monitor you the most, and you're not like almost in general public. Hmm. Um, while I was there, I, I truly felt like I was fighting demons. To be honest, oh, wow. and I, I didn't oh, wow. think I was ever going to get out. And I kept hearing the enemy tell me that if you don't choose your children or your mom and father, one of the one of if you don't choose, between my parents and my children, if you don't choose one, you'll never get out of here. So I actually believed it, and mm. I didn't think I was getting out. Um, mm. When my family finally came to see me, because they were my mother and father were both diagnosed close to each other with a form of cancer. My mother had lymphoma and my dad's um, was, um, colon. Well, at that mm. time, it it was kind of scary. You know, I, I'm going to lose my parents mm-hmm. anyway. Well, they came in and they were with my children and they looked really healthy. They had a light around them. And that's, that was my turnaround time that I had to get myself mm. together, um, so mm-hmm. finally, one day I was outside, we finally got a chance to go outside downstairs and it felt so good to have sunlight on my face. And I told God at that time, it's, mm. it's, if you get me out of this hospital, I will help anybody you send to me that's in the darkness that oh, wow. needs help.
0: Oh wow. and, I, and I have yes. stuck
1: to that sense because I know what it is to be in a dark space and not have any light and not even see a glimpse of it and know when you're gonna get out mm. or when it's gonna be over. And mm-hmm. I, I just try to make myself available no matter what. Even when I'm going through something, I make myself available because I, I know mm. what that is. And people don't right. realize you. it's a fine line between being sane and insane and just saying that's it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to live here anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And you don't know what their triggers are to get them to that space. So I I make wow. myself available at all times.
0: Wow. Wow. You know, that is, um, that's work that is commendable and much needed. And I know that, well, I know here in Austin, um, as I used to talk with a, I, I think he's retired, but he was a, a chief, a police chief, the police chief of Elgin. And he talked about how uh, the funding for men- mental health services was mm-hmm. cut. And how the you know the his police department was having to deal with uh, you know people with the community that have mental issues, and they really didn't know how to handle them, and so that's why you would have uh, situations that that were that were handled impro- improperly and 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 out of control, and because they were just not trained and equipped, so. know to have someone like you that I mean because you're really a a, you're coming alongside Mm -hmm. right you know and so to have more of those services uh, available to us I mean even if it's I mean I don't know how depth and that you know I'm gonna give you an opportunity to to give out your um, your information where people can reach out to you but um, just you know even if it's like you said that you 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 know, do Zoom calls with Mm -hmm. girlfriends, right? And that's so, so needed. And so many people don't have that. I know a person in particular that doesn't have that at all. Of course, she she doesn't put herself out there to, you know, and and how how do I, like, how do someone um, help someone else like that? Because, uh, you know, as I was starting to say, I know someone who is very isolated And it's almost by choice, you know? Like for me, I am physically isolated, but I still have, you know, friends that I call. And if I wanted to go out, I would go out. But the person that, this person has nobody at all, you know? So how do I, like, how would I convince her or encourage her to get out and, you know, just put herself out there and amongst other people Because it can Mm -hmm, be healthy, mm
1: -hmm. right? Um, For me, when you're in that state, it's best to be available to them, even if they just want to talk. You might want to call and say, you know, you want to go for a walk today? Or would you like to Mm -hmm. go pick up a coffee and we go sit in the park and chat? I mean, that way they're safe as far as, you know, because of COVID or whatever. But finding creative ways, Mm. sometimes you don't have to say anything and you just are a listening ear. And mm-hmm. and it's hard mm-hmm. getting out of that dark space of, oh, I really don't want to go walk. I really don't want to do this. Well, come on. I think it'll do you some good and just kind of staying on top of it. Um, maybe send us some yeah. teeth, treats one time just to lift her spirits to let her know, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're available. But I wouldn't do it okay. forcefully. I would take your time and trying to do it. You want to get on a Zoom call and we watch a movie or just. Being mm-hmm. creative to try to help slowly get them out of that space. Because I remember a time where I had um, a woman in my life that was like my mom. And I. now that you're mm-hmm. saying that, and I was in a dark space. And she came to my house and made me get out the bed, put some clothes on, and she made me walk the neighborhood with her. That was, mm. I didn't want to do it. But mm. once I did, it was the best feeling ever because I could feel the sunlight on my face. It was almost like something Mm. I needed. And when you stay in those dark spaces, you don't get that feeling. Mm. So, you know, maybe, you know, I got some coffee for us. You want to go to the park and let's sit and talk or let's go for a walk. But it has to start small. It can't be, oh, let's go to the movies or let's go hang out and have a dinner. That's Mm. too much. That's too much. It's like an (laughs) overstimulation. Slow <laughs> down. Let me take this
0: in baby right. steps. <laughs> right. Okay. Wow. Well, listen. Um, you have given given us a lot to think about. You know, I I started the conversation with um wanting to know more about, you know, how racial tensions are affecting mental health, and you know, we touched on that, but we touched on so much more, and just trying to stay um uh, have a mental clarity doing all of these trying times that we we're faced with. I just, I don't recall a time where we have been faced with so many different things at the same time. And so, uh, this is just the, the wealth of knowledge and, and, and suggestions that you've given us has been, um, is truly appreciated. And just, you know, tell us how we can, uh, connect with you virtually because right now that's what we're doing <laughs> how can we reach so out to you so i'm on
1: facebook as nicole n-i-c-o-l-e conway speaks i'm same nicole conway speaks on instagram um and you can follow me on either page and then on my youtube channel It is Nicole R. Conway because there's more than one Nicole Conway. So once I put the R, I'm at Mm. the top.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Wait a minute. You said you had a YouTube channel. So give us the YouTube YouTube, channel. I'm
1: sorry. The YouTube channel is Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E-R Conway. Mm C-O-N-W-A-Y. And on there, I have two playlists. One is for mental health and one is for fashion.
0: Awesome. Now, you mentioned, or well, at least in your bio, that you're an author. So I know you have the book, um, Coco's Chronicles. Yes, it is, is that correct? Okay. Is that it available? It is it's
1: available on Amazon.com.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, do we have all your information? Do you have Twitter? Do I you do have, have Twitter. Instagram? I have Twitter. So I, okay. I'm giving
1: you all of them. So they're all Nicole Conway Speaks under okay. Facebook, Instagram, and as well as Twitter.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Nicole Conway. It's been so great talking thank with you. And you and I, yes, you and I are gonna become even better yes, friends. Ma'am. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna connect even more so. And thank you for joining my little family with uh natural soul conversations. And I'm gonna let you go do what All you're gonna right, do. You have a good are you gonna eat? You gonna get something to eat? <laughs> All right, you too. This week in Black Renaissance, I want to highlight Miss Mavis. Oh, I can't say her last name. I can't pronounce it. It's spelled M B I, and I don't want to butcher her last name, so I'm going to call her Miss Mavis. Anyway, Miss Mavis has done done an awesome thing. She has created what she called a Change Pal. So, okay, let me tell you what it is. Right. So, what the Change Pal is, it's a A compact portable changing bag that is designed to allow for easy access to wipes, hand sanitizer, a changing pad, and all the other essentials you need to keep your baby clean, right? Now, that might sound like something minor to many of us, but it is not any little thing that will help new mothers, new parents uh, deal with or navigate their day with their kids, with their babies, out in public, that's revolutionary, right? Let's, you know, keep it going and kudos to you, Miss Mavis, kudos to you. We have been talking with my good friend, Nicole Conway, on how to stay mentally clear during these trying times. Listen, we may not have touched on everything that you wanted to talk about in this topic, so please feel free to leave us a comment or suggestions Email us at InSoulConversations at gmail.com and we'll get it on the docket. Also, please subscribe if you haven't already. You can subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And also, check us out on Facebook at Natural Soul Conversations or In Soul Conversations. You can also check us out on Instagram by the same name and a hey, I forgot to mention, if there's a way to rate us on Apple Podcasts or any of those podcast platforms, please rate us a five. We need the love. All right. Until the next time we talk, keep the conversations going.